0: Mind My Business, the podcast that gets you thinking about how to start, build, and grow a successful business from nothing we walk through how to break down any barriers you may face and feature interviews from some of the best business owners of companies large and small providing insight on what it takes to get to the next step time to mind my business with your hosts brothers jonathan floyd owner of box of care and dean floyd owner of the Lux concept guys take it away
1: and away we go! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mind My Business, the show that puts your business on your mind. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Floyd, founder and owner of Box of Care, the New Orleans care package gift company. The website, as always, is www.boxofcare.com. I always forget to talk about the social media aspects. So, obviously, on Facebook is just Box of Care. Instagram is at Box of Care Nola, and then Twitter is reverse of that, at Nola Box of Care. We're on the website, obviously www.boxofcare.com. We have the theme gifts that ship anywhere in the world. And then also now the podcast, this podcast, Mind My Business has its own Facebook page and that's at MMB Podcast. So if you are interested, please go ahead and like the page. Uh, We'll have episodes up. And then if we do some short things in between every Wednesday, we'll have that stuff posted as well. So I usually at this point, kick it over to my brother and let him introduce himself. But Today I'm flying solo. He had another obligation, so you just have me. Before we get started, I want to thank you for listening wherever you are. And if you're feeling the podcast, please go ahead and like, rate, review, subscribe, or share us wherever you found us. Um, as always, we have episodes every Wednesday and can be found anywhere you get podcasts, so Spotify. Apple, Breaker, and some other places as well. If you listen to the last episode, we had Antonio Cousin who talked about real estate and gave some knowledge about wealth building. It was really informative. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to that one. Um, this of course is a new episode and it's still important for me as it will be every single episode for you, the listener, to hear stories of business owners for entertainment, inspiration, and and a little bit of oomph if you need that as well. So today I have somebody special, I think she's special, joining me to talk about what she's doing, a classmate of mine from LSU, a friend of mine as well, Bailey Simmons. Bailey, how you doing today?
2: Oh, thank you so much for that intro, Jonathan. (laughs) I'm doing very well
1: good 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 for, the, <laughs> for those who don't know you can you go ahead and introduce yourself
2: uh, yes uh, my name is Bailey Simmons I am an HR professional as well as a business owner I own I'm the founder and owner of Professionally Polished uh, LLC I am a career coach and here at Professionally Polished we do career coaching for you so I write resumes cover letters I spruce up LinkedIn pages, and I also provide the service of interview preparation where I perform a mock interview. I grade you on personal rubric that I made for that service and tell you your strengths, your opportunities for improvement, and kind of just give you an overview of the process of interviewing, what it is, what it's supposed to accomplish, and to just give you as much confidence as you can going into the workforce, whether you're a recent graduate, a new professional, or a transition. So <laughs> that is what
1: it is. So you're doing, obviously you're doing a lot. and And <laughs> a lot of what you do is tied to humans. I mean, there's Correct. The human resources part which which kind of segues and you and i talked about this a little bit before i started but i want to address the the obvious elephant in the room so i mean unless you've been living under a rock you know the situations that are taking place in the united states right now with the murder of george floyd this past week and the things that have come up from that and i think it's Perfect to have you on the show today to kind of talk about that. But before I kick it over to you to to get into the questions, I just want to, I guess, get a few things off of my chest and then kind of hear what you have to say about that. I think after seeing the situation, the main thing that bothered me was that just like George and myself and you as well, the thing that we're judged the most or that's considered the most about us is the one thing that we can't control, which is being African-American for being Black. Right. I've had discussions with people the last few days who were not Black asking me about what's it like to be Black. And I, I don't... Really? Yeah, yeah. And I, the thing is, I, I don't typically know where to start to answer that question. But but my thing is to always suggest for them to research why things are the way they are for Black people, as opposed to me just saying this is what I see every day. Because everybody's, you know, contrary to, to popular belief, everybody's experience of being black is different but to get an understanding of why black people are where they are I always suggest doing a little research on black wall street or uh, healthcare disparities education issues or gentrification or there's there's so many things throughout history banking voting issues there's the documentary 13th on Netflix i mean there's all kinds of things to get you know in criminal reform and all these different things that you could research to get an understanding of why Things are the way they are. Right now it's easy for people to kind of join the wave and say, Oh, look, uh, you know, with with video and all of these things that we've seen, it's easy to kind of jump behind the support of, of saying we don't like racism. But the George Floyd situation, as tragic as it is, is just like point zero one to me of the, the stuff that black people face in the country like it's just such a small percentage of actually having video of somebody being killed by a police officer right there I mean there's so many other things that happen on a daily basis where black people are harassed or stopped or whatever the case is that that doesn't get seen so I didn't dangle any friendships out there I, I saw a lot of people talking about you know if you're if you're not black and you're not supporting this or you're not speaking up about it you're not my friend anymore. And I, I, I didn't, I, I don't want to go down the road because I think some people do want that exposure to know and ask those questions. What What's it like? Or tell me, because I don't, I don't know. And it's just like anything else. I mean, you can't expect them to know or, or uh, feel it. I mean, they'll, they'll never be in your shoes, but you can't expect them to understand that. But lastly, my thing is, and, and I'm about to be 34 in a couple months, and I start to feel like an old person sometimes because my thing was, what, what's next for black people? It's like you wake up and I looked at it and said, we're in the process of trying to go to space. There's racial issues and there's all kinds of controversies within the country around race and all kinds of other stuff. I'm like, are we in the 1960s? Like what, what time are we in? And, and we see things happening from when our parents were young to now that things haven't really changed in, in certain aspects. So my thing is, when the smoke from the rubble of, of all the the things that have happened, the you know literal and physical, uh, literal and figurative, excuse me, the buildings that are burned, which I I don't necessarily I don't cons- condone. I understand, but I don't condone. And I know that a lot of people who were doing that were not protesters. There were people who seemed to be sent out to do those sort of things. But my thing is, where do we go from here? How how do we get everything? As Black people coordinated to to have an imp- impact economically, socially, because I'm ready to be a part of that movement. And and the thing I, I and this is my, my last point, and I'm, I'm I want to hear what you have to say about it. But the thing I focus on the most is is doing my part. What can I do? And in my normal nine to five, I go out and speak to minority students who are engineers or studying to be engineers or studying to be professionals in the workforce, and I have those conversations. With, conversations with them, like, hey, you're going to face certain things in the workforce. But my part, I feel like, almost feel like I was born to do it, is, is to tell them, prepare yourselves, because you may be the person to go in there and and make that change. And, you know, the screaming on the street and the protesting has an impact, but those things truly change in, in the boardroom. And I know it's hard to get there. I understand that. But if I can be somebody who helps, if I never make it there... You know, just like the black people before me who helped me get to where I am. If I could help them make it there, I feel like I'm doing my part. So there's a lot that needs to happen. It won't happen overnight. I'm not looking to friends or family to do it. I'm not looking to white people to to solve issues or everything that happened. But it's just like, I feel like if I can do my part, then we'll all be a little bit better off if we all kind of, I guess, took that approach. And it's not even necessarily about the social media and all that, but like, you know, what what can we all do to do that? And I know you do that in some of the work you're doing, helping people prepare themselves to get jobs and all that. So I'll kick it over to you now. that that is, Those are my thoughts about that uh, to, to kind of introduce this, this conversation. And I want to hear what you have to say.
2: No, definitely. The past, I want to say, you know, 10 days or so have just been... I've experienced like an influx of all different uh, types of emotions and feelings and thoughts. The first being that just seeing the image, uh, you know, scrolling down my timeline, it's part of me was a little, I I probably wasn't as like shocked or dismayed as I should have been only because it was such a familiar image and which I don't, which I can't say that a black man being killed for seemingly and and, and truly no reason no good reason uh-huh. you know that it didn't register like pain and like anger and vitriol until till later till I could actually get the chance to absorb it uh-huh. so i'm not sure if that's a defense mechanism that i've developed like in my adulthood or what because uh i I applaud my mom she was very uh influential in me understanding race relations at a very young age when the eyes on the prize documentary came Mm, out yes whenever it came out on pbs like you know i sat and i watched it she wanted me to actually listen and understand even when i could you know as as a child like anticipate like okay there's no happy ending to any of these stories like she made me sit and watch it so that's kind of what i feel like i'm doing i feel like i'm 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 watching these images and I'm hearing these stories wow. and the precocious optimistic person inside of me like wants there to have some sort of happy ending but it's like okay we're sitting in the in the now like we're experiencing it and we don't really know what the end is. I too have had some conversations with other persons of color who aren't black as well as some white colleagues. I can honestly say that their concern, I believe, is like genuine. Uh-huh. And I kind of like scoff at questions like, oh, what's it like? And what's it black? Like? And that's just my my my, my natural reaction. Right. But uh, when I kind of get over my own ego and actually answer the question, my immediate response is racism is so insidious. It's not even just getting killed in the street. It's being followed in a store. Right. It's somebody. It's somebody literally passing me up in a waiting room at a job interview to go to a white person who was it was in a doctor's office it was a it was a patient the the ladies like went past me to the patient to ask that they were there to interview for the job even though I was dressed full suit portfolio in hand hmm. everything so you know it's it's it, things like that it, it's getting pulled over and living in a place a melting pot like Louisiana you may get uh, a white cop who's having a bad day, or who is a little prejudiced, or who's saying, "Hey, baby, how you minding them?" Like you never know right. what you're going to get. And just in in this situation with Mr. Floyd, and in 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 conjunction with the the uh, Amy Cooper in Central Park, and with Ahmaud Arbery, and just every, everything that's happened. Like let's say in the last decade. It's like a story that we're sick of telling. So like when I get that question, like, oh, what's it like? It's like, you can't be serious. Like this is not, this is not anything new. And then you really want to like, you know, like you said, you if people want to know, you want to be the ones to tell them because it's all about narratives. Everybody has a different experience. Everybody feels a certain way. Like I can probably take a wild guess that you and I had pretty similar upbringings and it wasn't all living hand-to-mouth and picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. Like we had had parents who went to college. They did all the fun things in college. They pledged sororities and fraternities. They did whatever they had to do. And they wanted us to have a lifestyle for ourselves that could either mimic or be better than the one that we grew up in. And that was the, you know, that was the guidance. Strive, you know, strive for excellence at all times, no matter the cost. Somebody else may be like, okay, just get out the mud. Somebody else may be like, okay, millionaire or bust. Like it's all, it's all different. But in the end, being Black is like, we were we were never taught to be ashamed or anything like that. And we certainly, like people, like racism is kind of perpetuating the image that you're on a lower part of the totem pole for a reason and you should stay there. And the, the overall fight is continually proving your worth without doubting yourself and letting and reminding people that basic human rights and you know kindness and decency are something that we should be afforded as well so you know my 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 final point when when kind of explaining that is like hey what is it like being black it's exhausting actually it is (laughs) because you want to live your normal life you there's 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 you know there's ups and downs and And tragedy and triumph and struggle and good things and bad things like there is with anybody's life. And then there's an added layer of somebody may want to harm you, disrespect you, dishonor you, hurt you just because you're black. And like you have to deal with that on top of having as normal a life as possible and achieve and actually having dreams, believing in those dreams and wanting to achieve them. So it's that's that that was just a, a mouthful right there. But in trying to, Sum it all up, I think about what's next as well, and it's really the constant reminder of teaching ourselves and our children that we are worthy of great experiences and we are capable of making those experiences for ourselves so instilling and sometimes the installation of confidence is where people need to step in, and that's what I try to do uh with my work, both with my traditional job and the business that I'm creating for myself, so really. Instilling hope and instilling, uh, the tools to let people know that they are smart, that they're intelligent, that they have character, that they're important, that they're responsible, and that they are, you know, a necessary piece of the whole in this world. So that's, that's, that's what my next step is, is extending that to others so that we can galvanize as a people to accomplish great things.
1: I think I think you made some great points. I mean, I I mean, I know you made some great points, but it's that that ninety nine point nine nine percent that you talked about. And, and the thing is, like, even for you as a woman, I just know from being a black man versus being a black woman how many things that you may see or face. Obviously, I'm you know I'm married and and raising two women, two I mean right. Two girls right now, and who will be women. And it's like I can tell them, hey, you know, this is you know baby, this is what you're going to face. This is what you're going to see. This is what's going to happen. But there's things that even I can't as a black man tell them as a black woman and vice versa. But I'm just saying there's like, it's that layered in terms of the experience for black people to where it, I mean, there'll be a whole different set of issues that they may face in their lives that even I didn't say or think about. And, uh, um, you know, being sexually harassed or or whatever, and I'm not even just saying that, but but right. it, it, it no. could be anything that they may see. So right. that's that's a whole a whole different element to it,
2: and really just understanding your place, because sometimes the female privilege is also a thing. So mm-hmm. I right like right before we uh, started recording, I had a pretty long conversation with a friend of mine, also an LSU classmate, and we kind of ran down every single time we had a run in with the police and how we think it went a different way because we were women. Hmm. and we were almost grateful in some instances and just like it's like whoa wow like that makes me even feel even even more like anger the thing for my brother so it's the the jungle out there it is, it is.
1: <laughs> so we we've we've gotten this off to a rousing start we're gonna, we're
0: gonna go ahead <laughs> and
1: we'll take a quick break and then come right back and we will get into Uh, Bailey, you talking about your business and, and take it from there. So I'll jump into the questions now. Unfortunately fortunately for me, I was there when you started your business, Professionally Polished, and you have the background for HR, but what, what makes you want to do this every day? What makes you want to deal with people every day? You know, that's such a big part of HR and, and having done the work as well. I know how important the people aspect is to everything.
2: Definitely, most definitely. Well, I think my affinity for people stems from my childhood actually. I'm an only child, I don't have any siblings. So I spent a lot of my time pretty much learning how to entertain myself, learning things and observing things and observing people. And kind of just being really excited about whenever I had a chance to interact, you know, kind of fast forward through school and everything, you know, uh, building friendships and acquaintanceships and whatever, you know, whatever else, and going to college, majoring in psychology. So, learning about the aspects of communication, about nonverbals, and just really understanding things and understanding that sometimes people just do not possess. the the language or the words to convey an emotion or to convey an issue or a problem that they may be having. And I learned pretty quickly about jobs in different industries that I could really hone in and use these skills. So human resources was pretty major because I spent a lot of time in college doing like psych experiments and in the lab and I just knew that that life wasn't for me so I was able to find a job in corporate America where I could use the tenets of psychology and be impactful for the businesses that I work for
1: so you mentioned the industries thing and I know you've worked in a few industries but what's been your favorite and and what's been the one you've hated the most industries not not companies obviously but industries
2: No, I worked uh, in the oil and gas industry for an engineering firm. Mm -hmm. That job was the, I had a lot of exposure to working with different Countries, different states. We were interstate and international as well. So, got to that was the job that I learned the, the most. And it was the first job that I actually had command over policy, creating policy, creating procedure, and actually directing employees. And, you know, it happened at, at, at pretty young. I was, you know, mid 20s and stuff. So, that was exciting. And then my least favorite was a position that I had in local staffing and recruitment for, it was a pretty small agency that I worked for at the time, but like just the the, the staffing industry, it's, it's a little different than like talent acquisition for a mid to large size company, but with, with staffing, it's less so about building those relationships and, and making sure that you're bringing the best people onto the job and more so just kind of filling orders with warm bodies very quickly uh, with little, uh, but but still being held liable if they didn't work out, even though you didn't get much time to you know to vet and to educate. So oil and gas, super great staffing, not the best, but both very valuable experiences.
1: And recruiting is such a challenge. Obviously, I've recruited and I'm familiar with it, and that's where we met. But I know the the people part of that has so much uncertainty around it. Somebody once told me that. Your commodity in recruiting is people. It's not a car. It's not shoes. It's not food. Obviously, cars can't talk, so they do whatever they're instructed. Food does whatever it's supposed to do, and people don't. Um, I've done some oil and gas, so I'm familiar with that. And I've done the local staffing side, and and I agree that it's complicated. Um, But the next thing I want to talk about is your how and why. And the how and the way I ask this is walk me through a normal day for you and how you get everything done what what is typical from when you get up and i know how hard you work but tell me how it goes for you when you get up to the end of the day
2: okay well with in the wake of covid it's been a little different but i try i try to structure my day Uh, as much as possible. One thing about also being an only child is that only children are typically known to be space cadets, like we can, anything can grab our attention at any given time. So professionally, I've always craved structure. So it usually starts with a a to-do list of some sort and I order those things in in order, not necessarily of importance, but what kind of what is going to take uh, the most time. And so nothing, gives, nothing is more gratifying to me than being able to cross things off of a to-do list. So I have a standing three-hour call with my job because I am working from home. So I take that at about 9 a.m. and that goes till 12 or 1 sometimes. The past two weeks, I've actually been going back to the office because it's easier to work at my workstation. I have a couple of different screens and just space to work and don't have to really worry about distancing because it's already a pretty small office and I've opted to go into the office. So I'm usually there by myself. I field emails, I field calls, and I kind of, that that conference call that I mentioned is kind of like a a think tank session where we're coming up with new and and improved ideas to improve our current operation because it's going to... To be a while before we go back to pre-pandemic operations. So do that. I end my my traditional workday at about four 30 and that's when I kind of transition into entrepreneur mode. I haven't been the strongest with that. Uh, no judge, <laughs> uh, no, no, judgment.
0: no judgment, no judgment, no judge, <laughs> pandemic, judge please, no. I'm not going to on. Mm
2: but i tried to i was fortunate enough before now to invest in the business with getting some social media marketing and that uh the web host uh the host of my website was able to provide me with uh, some pre-written social media uh, snippets where I, that i could post on all the the big social media platforms platform so I have an Instagram I have a Twitter I have a Facebook and I have a LinkedIn that's linked to my personal LinkedIn page so I kind of observe those see if if my likes have gone up and really just try to come up with the the marketing plan that makes the most sense in the current climate that we have right now I've also gotten a few referrals so if I if I actually have if I actually have people who actually have sales or people who have put in orders for my different professional packages, then I'll work on those as well. I'll do my, my research on the industry and the job that they're interested in. I will I will read the answers to a questionnaire that everybody who wants to receive my services has to, has to fill out. I'll read through that just trying to get a sense of who they are and where they are in their career uh, and then kind of like write and try to... Take that information and dole it out in a way that is concise, curt, professional polished and and, and and get it back to them. And I always tell every uh, client that I had that it's a collaborative process. So I want them to be pleased with the work that I give to them. So sometimes that means creating a, a, couple, of, a couple of different drafts. And I will say sometimes I don't get inspired to start that until a little bit later in the night because I am a night owl and I still get up early in the morning. So I'm a little weird like that. I don't need too, too much sleep. So sometimes the day ends at a neat 9 30 10 o'clock sometimes it doesn't end until about 2 a.m wow. but uh the more when i'm when when i kind of get bit by that production bug which is most of the time especially when i have people waiting on waiting on their orders and such i make sure that those things are done within my allotted time frame so okay you know, that's how
1: I get so it done. First, I, I do know somebody. If you are looking for some more social media help, um, I have a referral for you. Just wanted to throw that out there. I did some work with, and we'll talk about the propeller thing later, but I did some work with Tulane. And I have somebody from Tulane who, who actually just graduated who is assisting me. Very affordable and who's been amazing on helping me carry out my vision from a social media standpoint. So that's me plugging that person um and what they do and I'll I'll talk to you about that after because I know how important the social media thing is but one thing you talked about was inspiration and I'll take your words uh and say a lack of it at times so my next question is the why what does inspire you to get things done and with this question it could be about money it could be about work situation it could be about wanting to be the best you can be I mean what makes you want to have a nine to five and something on the side
2: Oh, well, if I had to name my first inspiration, it'd, it'd be my mother. Uh, my father passed away when I was pretty young. I was about four years old. So her focus was making sure that I had all of the amenities that came with a a dual parent or really truly a dual income household. So from the time that I was about eight to the times I was about like maybe 12 or 13, she worked a couple of different jobs. She was a nurse. So she worked a regular nine to five for the state in a mental health clinic, she moonlit, uh, at a at a hospital as a night nurse manager, and she also did home health uh so she on we would, so we would spend a lot of our weekends going to visit her patients or i think now the proper term is clients and so I saw that one person was capable of so much that's that's what I grew up with and as an adult, realizing that like you know we have to adjust our adjust our lifestyles for inflation sometimes uh a typical salary from somebody at our education level in Uh, the HR discipline it's you know it's a decent amount of money to live off of but you kind of you want more things and you want to be able to save and invest and and do all those types of things so it was readily apparent that I probably needed more than one stream of income or 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 revenue to sustain the lifestyle that I had and to improve it for when I had a family as well as as far as like actual I guess I'm more intrinsic inspiration I also lead a youth group in the Harmony Oaks community and I've been doing that since about 2014 and it's a bunch of young African American kids who are 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 excited to learn about things they're precocious they're funny they're interesting and they, they they look up they look up to you after they get to know you so all i know is that the after the first day i was just like i want to be able to show these kids and to teach these kids anything that i can possibly can so they will always want to maximize their potential so you know the old adage is the children are our future so i want to the children, the, 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 the teenagers who are, uh, are young adults who are graduating from college to know that even if you think you may not possess the language or not even that you don't possess it, but that maybe you haven't been taught because we are products of uh, the Louisiana different school systems. Me, the public schools, you, the, the parochial schools, and some things just aren't really taught. So I was inspired to teach the things that aren't taught that matter in the real world. You know, your parents and your mentors, they like to talk about the real world, the real world, but nobody really tells you what that Mm -hmm. really means. So, you know, I wanted to break down what the real world is in terms of something that everybody can understand, dollars and cents. And if you want to achieve the most dollars and cents, you have to act accordingly and I can show you how. So that was my, it's pretty much my.
1: I've known you for a while and have heard stories about your mom and how much of an influence she is. And I think when you look at the stuff that she has done, she probably doesn't think anything of it in terms of saying, I'm really trying to inspire you. It's just a matter of getting things done.
2: Exactly. It was just something it was something that she did. Mm -hmm. She knew the type of lifestyle she wanted to afford to me. She knew the type of lifestyle she wanted to afford for herself. And she it was it, it wasn't daunting or scary for her to achieve it was something that she did her her parents too they were teachers they were college educated so i'm fortunate enough to be a a third generation college student in my family so you know excuses and and things like that just really weren't tolerated so you know you just you see you see things you see how good it can be you see uh growing up even like i i sometimes embarrassed to say that out until I got to college, lifestyles that were different than mine, like in a, in a more negative context, are like not as good as mine or worse than mine. It's something that I didn't really see too much in in my own kind of microcosm so when I got to college and saw like you know how people lived and how fortunate I was and things that I didn't have yet that I could that I could achieve and things like that that was all a really eye-opening experience for me which which kind of molds and facilitates how I approach my business and I I get compliments all the time like oh you know you just do things so effortlessly and it's like oh you know it takes a lot of effort but (laughs) (laughs) you know <laughs> I've been I've been blessed with, with with not being afraid of doing too many things at once and like, you know, having having the gumption and and, and having the intelligence and the emotional intelligence to, to execute some things and, and really just, you know, being Absolutely.
1: blessed. Now, notice we've been doing this for almost 40 minutes and I've not brought up COVID once. So we're going to jump into my first COVID question. Obviously, coronavirus has taken over the world and unemployment is at, I want to say, 20 percent from the last time I saw it. So for what you do it is important and it's almost needed at this point in time. So I've got a couple questions. How has COVID affected your work and your business? Also what are some tips that you may have for people who were laid off and some quick ways they can bounce back if they have been laid off?
2: Uh well first I the I have transitioned from the oil and gas industry to the hospitality industry and I've I've worked in inside of that for the past four years so uh hospitality was 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 pr- very hard hit in in a city that is a good eighty percent hospitality driven a lot of people became unemployed pretty much overnight. Like I wanna say March 14th, March 15th, around mm-hmm. that time. Um, uh, you know, bars were shut down, restaurants were shut down, hotels went to uh five or ten percent capacity, things just overnight shut down. The Louisiana Workforce Commission was inundated with with millions of claims when they're used to maybe seeing perhaps a hundred thousand claims mm-hmm. in a year. They got three, four, five times that In a week. And so everybody. And then in the restaurant. That I work with specifically. We had a lot of people. Who were transplants to New Orleans. So they hadn't really even lived in Louisiana. For the past six. To nine months. Let alone like with the the look back period. For unemployment is like. Maybe like a year and a half. Like a goal. Like it starts in 2018. Or something like that. So some of our employees. Weren't even eligible. To apply for unemployment Benefits under Louisiana state statute. So, you know, immediately you have an entire workforce or your entire employee base who are afraid that they can't make rent, groceries, or gas like in the next couple of days. So there was a lot of just kind of one-on-one personal conversations that I was more than willing to have with anybody who wanted to have that just to kind of process that stress and then actually move on uh, step-by-step. I took a lot of time uh, with a lot of employees to kind of be on the phone with them as they apply for employment benefits, not so much to like influence their answers, but some of our employees just really couldn't wrap their head around the, the way that the questions are worded. And they and they are pretty tricky sometimes with, when you're filling out unemployment and there it's all to make, and it's because there's kind of like a lot of fraud and things like that. So the questions are basically worded to where the more information that you volunteer the more it has to be investigated and then that delays first initial payment. So Louisiana, fortunately, has a pretty strong trust. Like it it has like a, like I think, 1.2 or 1.4 billion dollars so the money what it wasn't that the money wasn't there it's that they want to keep the trust strong and want to make sure that everybody who is applying is in fact Mm. eligible and so if you have been laid off and because i I know with me i wasn't I, I, i i was not laid off i was furloughed. I was a, I was furloughed at 100%. So, I was still an active employee. They were paying for my insurance. I was not receiving a paycheck, which made me eligible for unemployment benefits. I was able to apply, and it took about three weeks three weeks to adjudicate my claim, and I, re, I started receiving benefits after that. So, if you've been laid off, and it is your job hasn't been able to extend any office employment to you, you know, apply for unemployment immediately. And there are separate there there are different like emergency response teams set up now that took you know, a couple of weeks to 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 formulate. And what they're doing is they're reviewing claims and pretty much extending benefits to everybody that they that they possibly can. So if you have been laid off, definitely apply for unemployment benefits. And there is some legislation coming down the pike that is extending the additional monies that are coming from the CARES Act. So uh, the original date, I believe July 31st, was when that amount of money was supposed to end. That has a good chance of being Oh, okay. Away. That's good.
1: So there is hope for some people because you hear a lot of folks talking about there's so much negativity on the news and all you hear is bad things. I mean, there are still opportunities for people to help rebuild and make a living quickly or fairly quickly. And and I mean, relatively quickly when I say that. So we're talking maybe hopefully six to 12 months.
2: Right, right. The what's not funny, but the kind of sad part is like some people who work in industries that don't traditionally pay as well they're making a little bit more money than they were actual full-time jobs so i know that that's a it's a challenge on the hr side too when when things ramp up because it looks like we're kind of taking a a pretty swift approach back to quote unquote normalcy but like these businesses are going to be looking to bring people back on and they there might have to be some adjustments in how job offers are being made when people are making more unemployment than they did when they work now a job is a job you should never choose government assistance or assistance of any kind in lieu of a job that has the potential for it to to go on and on until you decide right. to leave. It it may there may be some difficulties in the interim, like you said, anywhere between four to six months where people are looking to pretty much stockpile as much as many funds as they have, you know, especially in Louisiana. We're approaching mm-hmm. hurricane season and there's, you know, there's systems right. for the Gulf right now. So COVID, hurricanes, racism, <laughs> it's just a ball of confusion.
1: So what's next for you? What's next for Professionally Polished in terms of your long-term vision for the business?
2: Okay. Well, uh, like I said before, I kind of crave structure. And I think over the past, I want to say eight or nine months, I haven't been putting too much focus into growing the business because I was trying to maximize my my income by taking on uh, additional jobs that, that took away a lot of my focus. So I've, going to focus the rest of 2020 and beyond on having one main job or nine to five and all of my additional energy is going to be put into the business. So I'm looking into a sustainable and viable marketing plan. I've been introduced to the possibility of some opportunities with, with an acceleration uh, program that I've applied to. So fingers crossed that I'm able to uh, engage with that opportunity to be able to kind of be have the business be mentored and if I'm not I still want to focus on growing the business by way of marketing and maybe doing a little rebranding and to introduce HR consulting into the business as well and partnering with the career services departments of different schools and reaching out to small businesses who may not have a large HR function to engage in in ad hoc projects. So, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C, and also gaining some certifications as well. I, I want to take the test for the SHRM CP, as well as obtain a resume writers, a certification. So, you know, people, people appreciate and, you know, credentials command respect on some level. So definitely want to get
1: that. And even for myself, starting a business, that credibility thing and being able to build trust is huge. And I'll just tie it back to myself for a second. Going out into the hotels and into places with my gift boxes saying, hey, look, I want to do business with you. And then not having much at that point, then then getting the opportunity where I did the accelerator through Fund 17. And and I know you're trying for a propeller, which are two great organizations, but Fund 17 gave me some skills to help me get relationships. And, and I was eventually able to do some work with the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau where I did gifts for them. And then now being able to go places and say, I did things for the for the CVB, which have great people there, obviously, um, to have that opportunity to be able to sit with Jefferson Parish's Convention and Visitors Bureau as well and build it up. Um, But if you don't do the little things at the beginning, like you mentioned, the marketing plan, if you don't have some of those small things set up and you start to get the big business opportunities, you may or may not be ready for it. Um, I listen to other podcasts and I've heard other people talk about go get the business first and figure it out. And
2: it's that is that's really it's it, it ha- that has not been a a path that has garnered very much positive results. Uh, and not that I don't because my uh, cousin actually because he has his own, um. Uh, he has his own business where he does uh, graphic design, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he was like, "Oh, you know, you don't need credentials; you just need clients." And I was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> you know, like how do you, how do you get the the clients? And sometimes even with, you know, I had my web hoster. They promoted my business on my behalf and that still wasn't enough. So, you know, you need to get a little bit more personal. You have to understand the mediums that you're dealing with. You have to do some research on what works and uh, what is a little bit outdated. Mm -hmm. So you, there's a lot that goes into that. So just my approach is to be more structured and to be a little bit more preemptive and not just like kind of throwing things to the wall and seeing what sticks. Like I want to, it's like, kind of have the plan know the realities of the plan working and you know knowing how to pivot from there
1: the thing is in some professions that works and some professions you can if you are in something visual you can do that you could say look at this artwork look at this drawing and people will make their assumptions from there if they want to work with you or not I know when I need designs or something visual I go to Fiverr Um, F-I-V-E-R-R.com to get designs done. And I may may spend two hours looking through tons of pictures done by people, never talking to anybody, no sort of interaction until I'm ready to buy. And it works. And even in that sense, for me, what I'm doing, I I put together the pictures of my gift boxes. Um, I'm able to do that and say, okay, well, look, these are all my gifts. This is what they'll look like, whether you want to buy or not. You don't have that luxury you can't be like that here with with the resume
2: my product although necessary to a person's vision for their career should they should they choose it it's not something that i can you know when i was looking for for websites and, and platforms and things like that it's like sh- using a shopify or or something like that didn't make sense cuz there was no there's no picture of of a product that i could put and be like are you impressed by this icon or 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 whatever and really and truly because it's a it's a competitive business it's it's not a super big industry but it is competitive and i can't even put out too many samples of of work either so it's a lot of selling the intrinsic value of what i Of what i do and that's been you know it's been some some conversations that were were difficult to have with some people saying like oh well you know why would somebody choose you to do this when they can do it themselves and it's like you know i have to get a little (laughs) a little uh smart aleck as my mother would say and say well you know you can cook all your meals but you still go around fix a car you can fix a car you
1: You can you you can build a house if you want to
2: You can build a house, you can make your own clothes, you can do anything, but you choose to purchase it because you either don't want to do those things, don't feel that you possess the skill to do those things, or you want to make sure that it's done correctly, so had to, it, it, but it, and it actually took me a while to, like, to to, to kind of find that speech because that was that was something that I had in me a long time I've been writing and assisting my friends with their resumes and cover letters for years I just incorporated last May so it was the it was a kind of a some 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 negative self-talk that I had to eventually talk myself out of and being inspired by like-minded individuals and that's another thing like you know having conversations with you and like you know there's a lot of things that we go through that are the same there are some things that are different having conversations with my cousin the graphic designers, like I kind of had to, you know, I'm also finding like-minded individuals who are doing things that are similar to what Uh I'm doing and, you know, learning about their struggles and learning that way. Because all conversations about business, how to grow your business and how to be successful in business are beneficial to your overall success. But sometimes you have to find somebody closer to your situation, to, to, to help. I have a friend of mine, uh, she works with the Urban League in Career Services, and we're kind of in the same boat with that, helping each other out. So it's, it's so many things. That
1: community, and I, I can't stress, um, that's what being in the Accelerator did for me, offered me that community aspect and really helped me feel, especially if you started the small business out of your house, on your own, working from home, and you wonder, is anybody else going through what I am? And you get in something like this, and you start to mingle and network with people, And you learn more people are going through the same thing and you see there's a world out there and it's one of those things. um, I'll use the analogy of buying a car. I have a blue Toyota Highlander and before I got this car, I never noticed it on the road at all. And then once I bought one, it's like every corner I turned, I started to see them and it's, it's funny because it's like they've been there for a while. Um, Or they've been here forever. I just never noticed it till I I got it. And it's the same thing with business. Now that I have a small business, I see and notice that uh, a bit more of of other small businesses and I start to understand a little bit of what they're going through. The other thing I wanted to circle back was that you mentioned um, people finding value in what you do because it is about value. And if somebody is going for a job that makes a certain amount of money, and it's not even necessarily about that, they they just seek seek something better for themselves that can change their lives. Is paying a hundred to two hundred dollars, and I and I'm I'm not saying that's how much it costs for your services, but is paying that amount of money for a resume service from someone who is a professional to put your resume in a position to where it's going to stand out and help all your qualities shine the best. Um, is that bad? Is that a bad thing? Um, while the average person can put their resume together as a professional and someone who does it all the time, you look at job descriptions and you always look at resumes. So you know what looks good and what looks bad. And you have that ability to create that mirror between a job and a resume for a person. Now, obviously, they have to go in and, and sell themselves and get the job. Um, but you're you're able to add that little bit of luster and shine to it. And I know it can be done by a person, especially, um, I've worked in recruiting, so I know how to do it, but it's hard to tell people at times that there's some sort of science to it and saying, Hey, look, I know how to do this. Um, I look at these resumes all day and I can look at someone's in a moment and say, this doesn't even make sense or change this structure, or you're missing this or that all of those things play into it you'd be surprised to what some of these top executives pay to get services like resumes and LinkedIn profile cleanings. I mean, it, it's a, an exorbitant amount of money. I just, I think it's a necessary thing. And that leads me to my last question that if you could go back in time when you first started this from, from everything you've learned, for when you first started in HR in particular, what is the one thing you would tell yourself?
2: Um, I would tell myself to observe with, the appearance of in intention and that you're wanting to learn. Like a a I guess a not necessarily a flaw, but an issue that I had early on in my career was that I paid attention to everything, but I also kind of waited for instruction. I did I I, I looked idle a yeah. lot. And sometimes just overall in, in when you're in an HR capacity or just really in, in any type of office culture, the appearance of being busy is a little, sometimes a little bit more important. More, more than value. What you're, what you're actually doing, exactly, it's more value. Uh, so I would tell myself to make observations, review those observations, and see where it was appropriate for me to make suggestions or to ask questions. Mainly to ask questions because there's an opportunity really to learn in in every aspect so I would I would definitely tell myself that to 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 kind of busy myself never really give the appearance that I'm idle unless it was very clear that I was on some sort of break and to not be to not let hubris or anything like that infect my ability to ask questions even if I thought I knew the answer because you know you might be surprised but ask questions and ask if it's appropriate you know when would it be appropriate for you to be able to make some suggestions uh my first boss she actually put me in it's she actually put me in a position to edit a, a company newsletter because she noticed that in my written communications to her that I was I was a good writer that I was I was strong in in you know in verbal and written communication and she extended that opportunity to me and I'm grateful for her but in another position I kind of had to ask for those sort of opportunities so be conf- like you were chosen for the job for a uh-huh. reason. Be confident in your ability, but also know that you don't know everything. You don't know a fraction of what you probably think you already know. So be humble ask questions, and
1: always look good. Bailey, thank you so much for doing this with me. I know I reached out to you on short notice, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm so grateful for you taking a few minutes to talk with me.
2: Thank you so much. This was so yeah, much Yeah, absolutely.
1: Can you tell the folks how to reach you? Um, give them your email address and any information that you have, if they have some sort of questions around HR, or if they have questions around resumes, or may need your resume service. Can you go ahead and you know use this opportunity to plug yourself?
2: Awesome. No, if you if you are a recent graduate a uh, budding new professional or transitional transitioning excuse me professional you can uh, go to my website it's www.getpropolished.net that's g e t p r o p o l i s h e d Dot net, all of my package offerings are there, the questionnaires are there, and my contact uh, contact information as well. You can send me an email, Bailey B A Y L E Y, at getpropolished.net. I also have uh, a Twitter and an Instagram, both at getpropolished, and my Facebook page is Professionally Polished LLC.
1: Perfect, uh, thank you again for listening to everybody. If you have any questions after this for me, you can always reach me. Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at boxofcare.com. That's my direct email. I'll reply as soon as I get a chance. Um, If you haven't heard some of the previous episodes, please go back and do that. Um, We are on episode five now, I believe. Um, So go back and check those out if you haven't. Again, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to Mind My Business wherever you found us. And as always, you can do what you want, but I will mind my business. Thank you for listening and have a good one. Bye-bye.
0: This episode of the Mind My Business podcast is over. But be sure to subscribe, rate, and follow this podcast for interviews with business owners and more tips on how to start and make your own ventures incredibly successful. You can find Mind My Business on all major platforms or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. When it comes to your business, we want you to do what's best, but we will always mind our business.